Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business, and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. It's very common. You see these people on Wall Street. They're five feet tall. You know, they're not in good shape. And they're having this, like, moment where they're trying to declare themselves as powerful by making a bazillion dollars, right? right. It's just, just people who are unfulfilled and really insecure deep down. What they really want is love, connection, and acceptance. And they think the best way to do that is just make as much money as possible. And they really can sacrifice their whole career or their whole life to try to prove something when they, you know, we don't have to prove anything. We're all worthy of that love. All right, guys, it's going to be another fun, fun episode today. I'm bringing a new friend onto the show, Brendan Burns. Man, this guy's got a pretty cool story, so I'm looking forward to going through this one. So, Brendan, welcome to the show, my friend. Please share with you. I can't talk today, obviously, but tell us your story. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Johnny, I I really appreciate you having me on, and I'm so excited to be here. Based in New York City right now, which is... Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, uh, congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. I actually grew up on Long Island, so about an hour outside outside the city. Yep. Yep. And grew up there, made my way to Cornell. I did undergrad, grad school there. And it's funny because when I tell my story or the way I used to tell it, it was very checking boxes, right? Everything looked good from the outside. I was Cornell undergraduate, Ivy League school, got my MBA there, got my law degree, worked in these jobs that a lot of people would covet. But what was really interesting and has been very powerful for me is kind of what went on behind the scenes on that journey with abuse and trauma and dysfunction in my family growing up, and then sort of disconnection from my authenticity while I was in school and grad school, and then working on Wall Street for four years after grad school before transitioning to doing what I do now. Wow. Wow. So, and you always know if somebody's from Long Island because they absolutely tell you they're from Long Island, right? <laughs> you know, it's not the, I'm just from New York. I'm, you know, it's not, I grew up in Long Island, you know, going through that life and that struggle, what was it like, you know, uh, as you were growing up, going through those trials and tribulations? 
Yeah, well, it's interesting because I didn't really know what was normal and what wasn't normal because I didn't have a benchmark. I remember, so my parents fought a lot before they got divorced, which was ironic because my mother was a divorced lawyer. And <laughs> and I just remember kind of her, like both my mother and father having a lot of their own internal conflicts and demons, and it just caused sort of a perfect storm. So they would fight all the time. And I remember having a friend over and the house was like almost shaking. The doors were slamming. It sounded like there was some violence going on. And my friend turned to me and he was just like, has this ever happened before? Like thinking this was the first time ever. And it was like basically a daily occurrence. And I was just like, yeah, all the time. Is this not normal? <laughs> and then I remember starting to spend time in other children's houses and seeing kind of like, a little bit of what intimacy looked like, but I was still kind of too young to really notice differences. So, because it's interesting, when I first started to get into my own personal development and wanting to improve myself and make changes in my life, it wasn't until I was 25, 26 years old. So just a couple of years ago, and I was in New York, I was in a relationship, and there were a lot of problems in that relationship, which I didn't know about. Again, denial, disconnection from, you know, what was going on deep down. But very thankfully, this relationship came to a head very quickly. I was very upset and I wanted answers. And that relationship ending abruptly on my ex-girlfriend at that time's terms, she wanted out. Me not realizing how much pain I was causing her led me to actually pick up a book called The Emotionally Abusive Relationship. Mm. And I'm so grateful that I picked that book up at Barnes & Noble because that was the launch pad for my journey and for my life. This was about five years ago. And what I learned through reading that book was it's like one of those quizzes, right, where it's like, you're sitting there, it's like, if three of the 10 apply, you're an alcoholic and you're like, <laughs> right. you're like shit. <laughs> I got a problem. Right. The good news was I wasn't being physically abusive. The good news is I wasn't even really being verbally abusive. But the bad news is emotional abuse can be very damaging, both to your partner and to yourself. And that was really the beginning of this whole uncovering of my past, my parents' relationship with each other, how it affected me, realizing that there was addiction actually in the household that I didn't know about, especially when my stepfather came into the picture. So just unraveling all of these mental health and psychology principles that I knew nothing about, which I've been able to now teach to myself. And I'm not like a psychologist. I'm definitely more of like a lifestyle entrepreneur. I travel. I have online courses, digital products. Some are related to life coaching for sure because I want to share the stuff that I've learned. But a lot of it is related to Instagram and travel and just other fun things. And all of this whole journey of uncovering my past and my true self has led me to live more authentically with my business. Well, you know, and I think the people, once they embrace it, I mean, I always say, say your, your story is your success, right? You know, you went through it, unfortunate that you went through it, right? But that is the catalyst may not be the right word here, but it's the thing that you went through to help shape you to who you're going to become. And the more people embrace that's their rocket fuel to continue on to move through life. I mean, it's the whole point of my podcast is to show people that, you know, you sometimes really need to go through those experiences so you can figure out where you're going. So, when you start down the path of this self-discovery stage, you know, you're sitting on 25 years old, whatever, and you're going down the self-discovery, you find this book. What were some of the kind of the epiphanies that were starting to pop off? You were like, wow, this is something I need to change in my life. Yeah, I think, I mean, there was a lot, but if I'm going to really 
go deep, I would have to say that there was light sexual abuse that my mother inflicted upon me, in mostly in the form of what's called emotional incest. So there's, thankfully, there wasn't anything physical really going on, but it's more psychologically damaging. So emotional incest is when either the mother or the father goes to a child and basically emotionally puts them in the place of the surrogate spouse. So my mother would come into my bed, Nothing sexual would happen physically, but she would tell me, hey, I'm having this affair. I'm cheating on your dad. Should I leave your dad for this guy? You know, all this type of stuff. And not only did I not think that was a problem, but I think, you know, some people, especially people who go through deeper traumas, they're raped or things like that. You block these things out. So one of the most powerful things that I discovered through therapy was, you know, you're on your first call. Like I have a friend who I'm in a men's group with and on the first meeting he's saying, yeah, my parents, their marriage wasn't bad. And then six months later we realized that his dad had a gun in the glove compartment, you know, in case the mother got out of line. So, so these things, a lot of unraveling, a lot of memories that were pushed deep down to a point of denial. And, you know, a lot of these like hyper trauma survivors who go through crazy things actually have blacked out studies show they, they don't have the memories in their brain at all because it's so traumatic. And for me, thankfully they were still there and I could pull them out through dreams and dream logging and journaling. And the more I was able to pull that out, I was more able to really understand what even happened to me as a child. So I could then you know, journal about it, process it, and work through it so I can get to the other side, understand what is healthy, heal myself, and then be in a better position. Yeah, I mean, that's powerful. And I've had several guests on the show that would relate to the whole blacking out experience. I mean, I had a gentleman that was on the show that became a, a pastor later in life, and his experiences, he was, you know, physically abused as a young boy but didn't even discover that until he was 17, 18 years old when he had this weird flashback and, you know, it knocked him to the floor and then had to go back to mom and dad, had to sit him down and walk through what happened to him as a kid from a neighbor, you know, so powerful and very interesting. And I love when people can take deep dives in themselves and discover themselves. So you've gone through this life experience and are now, somewhat transformed you know you found yourself discovered yourself what are you doing with that information and that knowledge yeah well now that's really been the launch pad for my business and i i kind of mentioned some different things that i do but my real journey and my real purpose is to help people and i do that kind of in the form of the life coaching and development and then the business side and i found a lot of success on the business side especially with social media one of the things that i did when I was working in finance towards the tail end of that career was I was doing a lot of travel, a lot of international trips. And I was posting stuff to Instagram constantly. And without even realizing it, my Instagram account really took off and I was able to cross 20K, 50K, 100K followers and really build my brand there. But the cool thing was I was initially just posting these like selfie sticks in Japan and, you know, Australia doing this cool stuff, skydiving. And I was building a following because I was encouraging people to try to maximize their life and do what they love. But then I layered on sort of the psychology or the deeper stuff that we've been talking about today. So I started to do the cool poses where I'm bungee jumping in New Zealand, but the caption would say, hey, you know, this is the transformation I've gone through or, you know, Mm -hmm. fear sucks and here's how to get to the other side. And like, so I love that. Yeah. Kind of like the combo of like the cool 
lifestyle entrepreneur, remote laptop, Tim Ferriss guy. Right, right. But like, plus the Tony Robbins, like, let's go deep and, like, heal your shit. <laughs> well, the cool thing about that whole putting it together that way is you already had the following that was like, okay, this guy's cool. You know, he's doing all these great things. And, you know, which gave you an easy platform. Well, not say easy platform because, I mean, it's a lot of work building that big of a following, right? But it gave you a platform to be able to go, well, now I can teach, right? Which to me is the complete hero's journey about going out and experiencing life and bringing it back and, and teaching others. Yeah. That's a really, really cool thing. You're yeah. experiencing, you're traveling all over the world and you're doing all these cool things. Did you go into Instagram and all that with that whole thought process of I'm going to build this massive following and just crush it in Gary V's words, right? You know, <laughs> and become, you know, social famous. It's funny because at the time when I was working in my old career, uh, I really was looking for just ways to get out. And I wasn't as concerned with like doing a, like a total passion project as I just really kind of wanted to be an entrepreneur, be flexible and have my freedom. But it was great because I was able to combine the two. So when I was initially traveling and posting on Instagram, yes, I wanted more followers because I thought that would be a path to ultimately monetize so that I could have the freedom to leave my job. Because the finance industry, like working on Wall Street in New York City, can be emotionally challenging and like really hard for anyone. It's become normal to jump off of your roof and kill yourself. Like Leon Black, the founder of Apollo, one of the biggest private equity firms here in New York, his dad jumped off the Pan Am building and killed himself. I was bike riding home while working at the hedge fund and a woman jumped off 235th, which is a big rooftop scene and then she was at a party there. There was a guy from Mollus who killed himself, a guy I worked with at the hedge fund who overdosed on drugs because he was so stressed out, like one of my best friends. Mm. And so I just kind of wanted out and I was like, how can I get the heck out of here, make some money, have freedom? And if it was going to be travel and lifestyle, that's it. And then I do my own sort of inner work just separately. I was kind of fine with that. But to be able to combine the two has been really powerful because initially I was nervous to share this stuff with the world. I was like, <laughs> I don't know, like I, you know, I don't want people to know about my problems and, right, right. and, and, and people don't care about this stuff. They just want to see. But what I've noticed is like, maybe it's just the era we live in now that coaching and development is cool or accepted or people kind of just understand that they want to be happy and we have the tools now, but for whatever reason, being able to combine the two has been great. So even like when I'm coaching someone on business, I like to try to look for little avenues to dig in personally. Cause I know that's going to make, that's really, yeah, they want the money. Money's great, you know, but I look for those opportunities to help people personally as well. Yeah, and it's wild is people don't often wrap their head around to fix or solve anything starts on the inside first, right? you got to do the inside work so you can do the outside work. You know, I don't know if it's a philosophy or not, but it's a belief of mine that a lot of people go through the rubber band effect. They want something. They start moving towards it, find some success, but because they haven't done the inside work, they slingshot right back to where they were because they haven't worked on themselves enough. Have you found very similar philosophy? Yeah. You know, that's a fantastic metaphor that I haven't heard before. But yeah, I was just listening the other day to it was a relationship coaching seminar and they were saying all about, you know, to be in a healthy relationship. I know it's cliche, but it's true. It's like it's all about your relationship with yourself and whether it's business, money, finance, marriage, friendships, it generally comes from within. 
And when people say, you know, I'm also, I've become a little bit more spiritual and I've gotten into like Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now and books like that. And it really is like this society where we're unfulfilled on the inside or ourselves. And then we chase the fancy car, the money. And, and, you know, one of my blessings, like you said, like my crazy, the past I went through is a gift because my stepfather had a ton of money. He drove a Rolls Royce, a Bentley, and he had a limo that he had like his crackhead friend be like our driver. And so we, we had all these fancy cars. We lived in a $3 million house on the water. Had, he had a summer house out east on Long Island with an indoor pool, outdoor pool, arcade. And he was insane. And he was, he was a famous lawyer on Long Island who got disbarred, couldn't practice law anymore. I think he's now in like a halfway house down in Florida trying to kick alcoholism. And when I got to the grad school at Cornell, everyone's like dead set on wanting to be like a multi-zillionaire thinking that the money is going to get them the happiness. And I'm in this beautifully fortunate position where I've had the money and I know it's not the answer. I was like, dude, give me a hundred grand or 50 grand, put me in a good relationship and a nice community that's where I want to be. And yeah. Isn't that wild? I mean, cause I went through that myself as a young kid. I'm, you know, I grew up in the country on the farm and, you know, success was, you know, the big suits, the fancy cars, the sky rises, you know, and once you had that, you know, that was success is the only thing that, that I had for comparison. But, you know, once I got there, you realize that lifestyle sucks. You know, there's a lot of backstabbing and politicking and pressures that that are just insane. You know, it goes back to, and I'm not telling people to not go for money because money doesn't buy happiness, but being broke will sure make you miserable, right? <laughs> you know, but if you don't discover yourself, then you're not going to be able to get where you need to go. Or if you do get there, you're not going to like the person who got you there mentally, you know, all the way through that ride. When you got out of Cornell, I mean, I know you had the experience of around all that money and, and that lifestyle. There wasn't an ounce of you that said, you know, I could create all that. I could bake all that. Hold my beer and watch this world. Here I go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I studied, I spent one semester of college in Barcelona, Spain. And that was really eye-opening because, and I was just thinking about this the other day, even today maybe, how I had this nervous tick where I would twirl the back of my hair obsessively when I would get stressed out. I, I just, can't do that, dude. I got a bald spot back here, so. Pulled <laughs> <laughs> it all out already. Right, right. No, I would just twirl and twirl. And I remember I took this finance class. I was at Cornell. I was super stressed out. And I, I remember, like, sitting in class. I was like, stop doing that. And I couldn't. And then I went to Barcelona you know, I was in a bad relationship with this girl at Cornell. Class was like really stressful, not my passion. And then I got to Barcelona and I was traveling and cooking and hanging with good people, very like interpersonally relationship driven, work-life balance driven. And I just woke up one day, like a month in, and there was like no twirling going on. And I was like, wow. And then I spent the next three months getting really into photography and traveling and language learning specifically is, is something I really love to do. And then I remember coming back to Cornell senior year and telling my grandparents, who were kind of like my benefactors paying for my school, which I'm very grateful for. But I was telling my grandmother specifically, I'm thinking about maybe changing majors and like doing like a language major, like do like Italian and Spanish and then travel more after I graduate and do something like that. And they were like very seriously anti that. 
process. They were like, because I had like a big family and there was like the sort of white shoe professionals. And then we had like the more artistic side. And it was interesting because growing up, they always painted the artistic people as like real failures. And they always talked very disparagingly towards them. And I always assumed that like I was, we were the right family because we disagreed with each other. They looked at us and they were like, oh, they're money hungry, depressed capitalists. Always just like, yeah, we're the right side. They're wrong. There's probably truth on both sides. But the reality was I was sort of like pushed into that finance or law type foundation. But I did like, I remember wanting to do something more passionate or creative at that point. It was shot down. And then it's interesting because if you look at like psychology and what was going on inside of me, there had to have been, there was insecurity about who I was as a person that hadn't been dealt with from my past and things like that, like being bullied and the abuse. So it's very common. You see these people on wall street, they're five feet tall, you know, they're not in good shape and they're having this like moment where they're trying to declare themselves as powerful by making a bazillion dollars, right? right. It's not just short people or tall. That's an unfair thing to say. It's more just people who are unfulfilled and really insecure deep down. What they really want is love, connection and acceptance. And they think the best way to do that is just make as much money as possible. And they really can sacrifice their whole career or their whole life to try to prove something when they, you know, we don't have to prove anything. We're all worthy of that love. So I really diagnosed that as a big part of why I chased the money and the significance. But then the other part was my parents fought more about money than anything else. So as a seven-year-old kid, I made this decision. I said, I'm just going to be an investment banker and make millions of dollars, and then I'll never fight with my wife. <laughs> you know, what's interesting to me about that, that is one is that last statement, but two is the conversation with your grandmother is I think – adults talking to kids going, you know, and I'm just calling kids, anybody going through college and everything else is when they give advice, it's usually based on a life decision they regretted, right? Or it's based on something going on with them, or they're more concerned about how they'll be perceived by that child's actions, right? So they're giving, and I don't have kids, right? So, you know, take this all with a grain of salt, but, you know, I see it oftentimes of a parent telling a kid they've got to go through college is because they worked their ass off their entire life and never got where they wanted to in life, and they think college is the answer, whether the kid wants to go through school or not, they're telling them to go to college, right? Or it's the entire philosophy of their kids got to go to college because, oh, my God, what will the Joneses think, you know, all the way through that process? It's always, always very interesting. So when you had that conversation, what I mean – I'm curious what the internal response was, but I'm also curious what the verbal response was you know, as part of that process. Yeah, well, I just want to acknowledge you for hitting the nail on the head here because my grandmother, if you look at her psychology and her background, she was really, really intelligent and hungry and hardworking and wanted to be a doctor. And she came from a generation where the women kept the homes and the men worked. And my grandfather had this illustrious career in politics and law and business. And she was, you know, the stay-at-home mom and I think was very unfulfilled. So exactly to your point about it was all about what was going on with her was like, don't waste this opportunity to go work and do something which I didn't want to do. Maybe that's what she wanted to do. Right. So they project that onto you. And 
I wish I had some juicy story of me flipping my grandma off and going <laughs> off into the wind. And, you know, Donnie, here's your story of the year for your podcast. I I wish I had that. But Damn it. You know, everybody just turned it off, dude. No, nobody's listening. <laughs> no, but, you know, it's it's when – and it goes deep, right, because we all have primary caregivers, even animals, you know, and they were my primary people. And, and my grandmother and my grandfather really saved my lives because they – really took me in and took me to school and took me on trips. And I'm so grateful for them because I wouldn't, I don't know if I would have survived the abuse and the trauma. I would have wound up, you know, in addiction or something like that potentially. So I'm really grateful for them to give me love and support. So at the time it was really just kind of like, yeah, I'm just going to listen to them. And especially being, you know, 20 years old or 21 years old, they just kind of nodded, but I'm sure subconsciously there was a huge pushback and a huge like, Hey, this is not what I want. And that started to manifest only one or two years later when. Hey guys, it's Donnie here. And I just want to let you know that we've recently launched a content development company. And this company helps people get social content. You know you need to put out a lot of content nowadays to get engagement out there in all your social platforms. But we've come up with a really cool way to help you get videos, blog posts, memes, social posters, and infographics for you know, whatever social site you need. So check us out at successchamps.us and learn more about how you can get social content for your social media. Support for this podcast comes from Point Blank Safety Services and Blue Family Fund. Blue Family Fund, helping dependents of law enforcement families on their journeys. Blue Family Fund is a nonprofit that raises funds and offers financial support through higher education scholarships for dependents of law enforcement officers and by providing financial assistance for families of fallen law enforcement officers. Every dollar donated will go to the families of police officers, either through scholarships to dependents of police officers or as aid to fallen officers' families. Visit us at bluefamilyfund.com. You're listening to Donnie Success Champions, where I believe Everybody is on a journey. Life is all about the stories you can tell and teach later. You're going to hear the stories of people who have overcome hardships, failures, and life to find success along their journey. in law school and my friend Jason from my fraternity calls me up and he's like, dude, you have to read this book. And I was like, no, I can't read anything. I'm in law school right now. I have textbooks stacked up taller than my head. You can put them on the floor. And he said, no, you have to read this book. And that was the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss. Yeah. Yeah. And I just read that book and I was thinking about my travel growing up with my grandparents. I was thinking about Barcelona and it's like I had the textbooks here and then I had the four hour work week here. And it was really interesting. How do I reconcile the two? But for sure, that book was my calling. And as I traveled more during Wall Street times, like I would listen to his podcast and just sort of do a lot of solo travel and reflect on life. And that gave me a huge push to then create this lifestyle. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, it's always amazing to me to hear where, you know, inspiration hits people because it can be from the wildest place. I mean, there's a chance if you would have never been handed that book, who's to know what path you would have chose, you know, and which direction you might have gone. 
And for me, that's the reason I tell people to turn off the TV. You know, there is so much phenomenal knowledge out there in whether it's books, whether it's podcasts, whether it's audio, whether it's inspirational YouTube videos or whatever. There is a ton of knowledge out there of people, and there's idiots out there sharing knowledge too. I mean, but you become whatever you're influenced by, right? So if your influence is only your upbringing – then you have a very simple ass outlook on life, right? Because that's all you embrace and you know. And I've had a couple of people on the show that have been in cults, and we've talked a lot about that, is you don't realize being in that cult growing up is not a good thing because that's all you know. And so, so if you don't feed your mind with other things and other influences that can expand your knowledge, then you live a very black and white, simple life. And odds are you're not going to find the fulfillment you seek because you'll never hear that thing that finally makes you turn inside and start looking at who you are and what you're made of. So. Traveling the world as this Wall Street guy, was there this whole playboy type mentality that went along with it of I'm Brendan and I'm Mr. Wall Street? Or was it this more free-spirited hippie vibe dressed up in a suit? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> and, and I was I was much more of like the Tim Ferrissy, like grungy type, like, you know, Nike athletic pants, like I really, like, didn't like the whole scene of the Wall Street environment, and I never really, like – that's not true. I, I would say my first year working in investment banking, I was wearing the suit, the $200 ties, the Hermes, the Armani, all that stuff, and I was playing into that sort of, again, significance-driven, like, try to promote who I am on the outside. But by the time – I then switched one year into a hedge fund where I worked for three years before leaving Wall Street – and once I got to the hedge fund, I was just even there, like not really dressing up much and didn't really have that persona anymore. I wanted out. I wanted entrepreneurship. But it's interesting because when you mentioned Playboy and you mentioned that type of stuff, I think it's worth noting that like when I was going on these trips, I was definitely focused on dating and hookups. And I'd, I'd land in Japan or I'd land in Helsinki. I'd get on Tinder immediately, start swiping, set up dates and hookups and it was really interesting because I've done a lot of personal work on myself and on intimacy. And that's a big area that I'm focusing on right now. I've been in some amazing relationships in this past year, like real, like two relationships in particular where I went deep. I learned a lot, like so much about myself, so much about my partners at the time, two amazing women. And like, that's where I'm growing. And that's my next chapter is learning and conquering relationships. And then I'm also going through training. Like I'm, I go to these relationship training and coaching seminars with all these like beautiful, happily married women and some men who are relationship coaches. And they're all just trying to like improve their business and their personal like relationship coaching practice. And I'm like this guy with intimacy issues trying to fix my shit. I'm like, uh huh. Yeah. Like, wait, I'm like, wait, what happens when you like scream at your girlfriend and you guys fight? Like, then what do you do? And they're like, you mean, what do you tell your client to do? I'm like, yeah, yeah, what should what am I supposed to tell my client that they're supposed to do when they, like, shatter the plate and they get into a huge fight and they walk out at 2 in the morning? Like, what do I tell my client? <laughs> you know, you know, a lot of those people in that room you could probably sit down and get coaching with. You don't have to be the guy in the back <laughs> learning from the relationship. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I just wanted to mention as part of my journey of the traveling Wall Street stuff, it finally hit me when I 
got home from a trip and someone was like, Brendan, you should go out on a date with this girl. She's great. She's in her residency in medical school. She wants to settle down. And like we were going on these dates and I was like really just like I couldn't get attracted. She was beautiful and I couldn't get attracted to her. And it was just like there was a huge thing missing and I couldn't figure out what it was. Ultimately, I realized it was intimacy. It was like, this is a woman who really liked me and wanted to be with me. And I was like, no, 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 I don't want that. Like, how can I be attracted to some like flaky East Village wannabe actress who's like got commitment issues? Like I can get all over that. But then it's like a woman who actually wants to be with me and likes me. There was, I, there was friction there. So that's what launched me onto that whole step of, of my journey, which was working with psychologists and getting coaching on how to confront those issues. So that was something that travel exposed me to in a really good way. Well, and I, and I think it's really important for people as they're growing up is I don't want to label anybody, but, you know, people giving millennials a hard time right now. And I'm like, look, they're going and doing all the things you wish you would have done as a kid. Shut up. Right. You know, yeah. they're going into work when they want to. They're going home when they want to. They're traveling. They're running their own gigs. They're doing their own companies. Let them be. Let them do their thing. Right. Don't get mad at them because they're making choices that you didn't have the strength to make yourself. So, you know, but I, I think it's really important for people to go and experience the world and go see these different cultures. And ignorance happens when you have no experience to base life on. Right. And then unfortunately, a lot of people walk through life like an ostrich with their head in the ground, never pulling their head up and looking. I had another guest on the show that was talking about, you know, he went to a, uh, he got transferred up to a little town in Nebraska. And, you know, 99 percent of this little bitty town had been born there, raised there, never left there. And, you know, he's like talking to them about their world beliefs, not that they're bad people, but it was just this very, very, very shallow conversation because all they knew was this little spot in life. They don't, they don't have the experiences to expand their horizons. Did you kind of find that on your journey was because of these experiences, they were really beginning to, with the coaching and stuff, but expand who you were becoming? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the big things for me, and I think this is good for anyone to hear, especially if you live in like a major city, like in LA, San Francisco, Dallas, New York, is like, there's just so much opportunity and there's so many different ways to live. Like when you grow up near New York City, you go to Ivy League schools, you're surrounded by this, you almost feel like you have to work in a certain industry. You have to work a zillion hours to maintain. Because like, I remember when I was about to leave my last job, our CFO said, well, I could never do what you're doing. I could never leave because I have my mortgage and I have all these things. But right. you've also, you've, he's kind of created that. It's like that quote, like, you know, it's like, do you own your possessions or do your possessions own you? Right. And I really felt like when I went to Laos, for example, a country near Cambodia and, and Thailand, I was walking into a restaurant and I walk in and there's a bunch of tables. Nobody's eating. It was like three in the afternoon. I'm just kind of like the New Yorker who assumes like you can go into a restaurant anytime you get service. And it's like empty. It's like in between lunch and dinner. And the owner, the chef and the waiter is all the same guy. And he's <laughs> lying on the floor just taking a nap. And I was like, I'm not going to wake him up. But as I started walking out, he heard me and he woke up and he just like, we didn't speak, like, I don't speak any Laotian. He doesn't speak English, but we were able to communicate and I was able to get him to like make me a noodle dish for like a dollar. And it's just like, this guy's like chill. He's got a family. He cooks a little bit. He naps a little bit. And I was like, I don't need to make 250 grand a year and spend $3,000 a month on a 300 square foot studio apartment in Chelsea in New York. And if I live in the wrong neighborhood in Manhattan, then I'm not good enough. And I was like, like get out of the bubble. Like this bubble is like, 
New York City in the winter, and then you go to the Hamptons in the summer, and you have to make a certain amount of money, and you have to, like, check off certain boxes. And I remember, again, like, the Tim Ferriss, and then there's this other guy who I liked, Mr. Money Mustache, who's, like, a real minimalist. And oh, I haven't even heard of him. <laughs> yeah, you can look him up. And, I mean, I'm not a minimalist anymore. I, I went through that phase. Now I'm definitely, like, in business growth mode and, like, abundance mentality, and I like nice things. But it was nice to go through that phase of being, like, you don't need to make that much. Because what I was doing was I was working my tail off to basically get two checks a month, one paid rent, one paid everything else, and I'm not saving any money, and I don't like my work, I don't like my job. So it was like, I have to make a shift here. And I think for me to travel and see the way other people do it, like to go to Southeast Asia and find people who you can comfortably live off $1,000 a month and have a blog or be happy or do, or even just take a year to just chill, like knowing that like travel helped me see that that was a possibility. Well, it's the eat, pray, love story, right? I mean, I love that movie, and I'll watch it anytime it comes on. And I've never read the book. I, I keep telling myself I'm going to read the book because I bet it's 10 times better than a movie. But you will never discover yourself sitting in one spot. You've got to get out and explore the world. I mean, you can, I'm sure, but its experiences is the absolute best teacher in anything that you do. And surrounding yourself with the right people helps tremendously as well. Where do you think all this is going to take you, bud? I mean, you've done some crazy cool things. You brought philosophy into your Instagram stuff and all that. And someone could say you almost have a cult following in some of those arenas with what you're doing. Where's all this going to take you? Yeah, it's a great question because I'm at an inflection point in my career now or my new career, I should say, where I've stabilized income. I've grown. I've figured out how to make a baseline with some of the more corporate client business coaching. My next step and my goals are just to continue to use a freemium model and share as much stuff for free as possible on the personal development and the life coaching type stuff. I think the biggest problem in our country is mental health. The biggest problem isn't mental health because the biggest problem is cardiovascular disease, but why are people eating so unhealthy? It's due to mental health in some way. It's either the mental health, the poor mental health of the, the corporate people pushing the triple bacon cheeseburgers, or it's the poor mental health of the people who are in a bad place who eat that food because they need to cope with unhealthy feelings that they haven't processed. What about the guys who just think it's a damn good burger? I mean, there's a difference. <laughs> no hate on my head. I love a good burger. I should have said, like, just really processed foods. Yeah, yeah. We're all there with you. But, you know, I had a discussion not too long ago with my mother-in-law. She's like, I don't know how you can eat McDonald's. I'm like, I grew up on it. Every once in a while, I just want a filthy, disgusting freaking burger. Oh, totally. I mean, I always say everything in moderation. Like you can't, you can't neglect a good double quarter pounder with cheese. Right, right. I, I hear that. I'm talking about like when I say mental health, I'm talking about if you look at the top ten causes of death in our country, only two of them are rising. It's drug overdose, addiction, and suicide. You know, mm. overdoses and suicide, and both of those are like. 100% correlated to mental health and well-being. And you have the opioid epidemic, the prescription pill epidemic. Now you have the social media epidemic. They're actually showing brain scans. Early signs are showing that you get dopamine hits every time you go on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. So my goal is to basically identify what are the biggest causes of unhappiness in people's lives and try to, at the very least, use social media, my email list, and my launch pad, everything that I put out, 
to try to help people see that a little bit better. And I'm not anti-delicious food. I'm not anti-money at all. One of my teachers in business school said, he's like, money is not the answer, but I'd rather be unhappy and rich than unhappy and poor. (laughs) And like, I'm all for, like I said, abundance mentality, like luxury travel, enjoying nice meals, like being comfortable, providing for your family. I just think that a lot of people are successful, but not fulfilled. And I think you can do both. Well, and you know, I would add then there as well is you've got to embrace money from the perspective of who can I bless once I have it, Mm -hmm. right? If you're in a game to make money because it gives you status, you'll never find fulfillment. But if you find that you can make money and bless and touch others' lives with it, you can find fulfillment by serving others, which I think is what we're here to do. But somehow society along the way decided that you've got to have the mansion and the cars and the gold and the blah, blah, blah to find that ultimate success. And unfortunately, a lot of us bought into it. That's awesome, brother. Well, how do people find you? We know we can find you on Instagram. What's the handle? Yeah, it's uh, Brendan H. Burns. At Brendan H. Burns on Instagram or BrendanHBurns.com and new podcast just launched actually of my own, which I'd love to have you on. Hell yeah, which brother. Is, uh, the Brendan Burns show on iTunes and Spotify. Awesome. Awesome. Guys, reach out and follow him. This dude is dropping knowledge bombs out there. And uh, now I've got to make sure that I'm following his ass so I can start picking up some of his <laughs> followers. So, <laughs> and keep rocking and rolling. So Brandon, man, really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story with us. It's going to hit home for a lot of people, man. So thanks for being here. Here's how I wrap up every show. And I do stump some people with this. So be forewarned. Okay. If you were going to leave my audience of champions, the people that listen to the show, with a slogan, a phrase, a mantra, a quote, you know, something they can take with them on their journey, something they can, you know, especially they can pull out when they're going through their dark times and they're trying to find themselves, figure out their next step in life, what would be that quote, that phrase, that mantra, that slogan you would say, remember this? Well, it's funny because the legendary investor Warren Buffett, worth seventy billion plus dollars, investing, making investments all day long. The only was, guy to ever hit top ten as an investor, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. Brilliant. Unbelievable. All self-made. Unbelievable yep. story. And they went up to him. Hey, investor Warren Buffett, what's the best investment you ever made? Thinking it would be a stock or a company, Amex or one of his winners. And he said the best investment I ever made was investing in myself. And he went to a Dale Carnegie seminar in like 1950 on personal development, personal improvement. So my slogan, my mantra, my takeaway is invest in yourself. Do one thing right now to invest in yourself that your future self will thank you for. That's awesome. Brother, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate you doing this, man. It's going to be fun to continue to watch their journey and, you know, heckling from the cheap seats as we all continue to rise. (laughs) Donnie, my pleasure. Thanks again for having me. Thanks for listening to Donnie Success Champions podcast. If you'd like to hear more about our current guest today, or if you'd like to hear stories from our other guests on the show, come hang out with us on our website at successchamppodcast.com. I really appreciate you tuning in. If you need to reach out to me for any reason, you can catch me at Donnie at DonnieBovine.com.
Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, the emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success because that's what it means to be a success champion.